You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Making of a Marketer, the podcast that takes you around the world of marketing one topic at a time. Hosted by digital marketing consultants Jess Nickerson and Andy Pondillo. We welcome you to join the conversation. Stream us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. Now, here are your hosts, Jess and Andy. Andy and Jess here once again. And a happy Friday, indeed it is. So December 1st, Jess, we talked about it being too early for Christmas at times. Now, your December 1st holiday season's here. Is the tree up or the lights out or the presents bought? Like, where are you at in your, your holiday journey? The tree is arriving tomorrow. <laughs> Excuse me. The lights are up. And we just are going to continue to add things every day. But the, I mean, the, fe- the festivities are are here. I'm a big believer in that. When you're talking tree, are you talking real tree? You going down to the woods to like cut it down? You know, is it is it something that's pre-made so you don't get to smell the pine? Like, what's your vibe? Right now with with children, I mean, this has been a very hard decision for us because we've always done a real tree uh, in the past. But now with little ones and babies, we are going the the fake tree route. So our fake tree will be arriving tomorrow. So fake trees only for us to our cats we don't trust can handle a real tree. So that's the reason why we have to go fake. Uh, my sister's cat actually ate a real tree branch and ended up in a vet's office. Cat is okay, but it kind of put the fear of us to ever get a real one. But with that, we do have an exciting conversation today, Jess. So Aaron Fung is joining us today in experience DEI executive within you know many different places in your career and someone who is an exceptional leader. Jess, you've worked with Aaron and highly recommended him on this podcast. So uh, we are really excited to have you today, Aaron, and excited just to get this conversation kicked off. And I already got to give you the award for those of us watching on the video stream for the best background I think we've seen today. Yeah, thank you, Andy. Thank you, Jess. And I do my best, you know, no fake backgrounds here. It's all real. I love it. So let's get started off a, a question that we generally ask all of our guests as soon as we start. So creativity, I can already tell that you got some creative um, juices going with your background. So tell us about when you're stuck creatively, what is your mojo to get you out of that? 
You know, it's um, usually one of two things, either get my blood pumping or settle down for a meditation. So if I, for example, go for a walk, maybe 15, 20 minutes, just get out of the house and around the block. Something about, you know, getting out into nature, I think is very uh, revitalizing and sometimes opens up uh, a lot of different things. Um, if I actually need like thoughts, like, like to clear out the the junk or the garbage that's unnecessarily present, meditation is so good for me just because you tune everything out. Maybe you doze off a little bit, but somehow like these, when you when you go blank, the the ideas that reappear in your mind, or at least in my mind, usually tend to be the more creative or interesting ones. I love it, and that nature walk is something that I've generally advised. I don't know if you know it's not as easy to walk in my neighborhood as it as I would like it to be. I got to go walk in the middle of the roads, but sometimes I do laps in the middle of my backyard that we just got. So that's a a good way, but. Sometimes I think just getting outside, that's something that I valued really personally since working from home. You know, there's a lot of stories about, you know, working in the office your whole career and then boom, you're working at home. I used to go walk around, you know, office centers and like sidewalks and city areas. And once that was taken away, I had to get a little bit more creative. So I like where your brain is going there and, and something that I think is sometimes underestimated by a lot of people. Definitely, definitely. And something that I like that Aaron mentioned uh, is that he is he does two activities that are on the like complete opposite end of the spectrum. So it's almost like, what activities do you need to do to you know get unstuck creatively? Depends on your heart rate. And oh. are we are we going to slowing down the heart rate right now for like certain spaces, or are we going to get it get it up and moving? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm going to wear my heart rate monitor that I have now for my Orange Theory workouts to be tracking that throughout the day. But Jess, you and Aaron have worked together before. So, you know, I wanted to, before we got to the meat and potatoes of what we're talking about today, kind of tell us about Aaron, why he's been special to you, some of the vibes that you guys had and your prior life experiences. And I think that leads perfectly into our discussion today, which we're really going to focus on Aaron's leadership qualities and what that means to the peers around him. Definitely. So Aaron and I worked together in the San Francisco office of LinkedIn, and we were both on the solutions team. We covered different areas of the business, so we didn't necessarily work directly together, but we we sat in close proximity with each other. And why I thought Aaron would be so uh, perfect uh, to share his perspective is that I'm really grateful for his perspective. And I was so grateful for the, the opportunity just to learn from Aaron and hear how Aaron approaches things. And something that really stuck out to me when thinking about gratitude is uh, our, our team got dissolved or uh, reorged within, within LinkedIn. And Aaron spoke to many of our colleagues uh, after this happened. And he, he gave some really sage advice where he basically told them like an, an organization doesn't owe you anything. And I just, I like, I really took that to heart. And so you may think, oh, wow. Okay. That doesn't sound like 
being grateful or gratitude, like having gratitude, but I, I thought it was just like really poignant because in actuality, it's like being grateful for what, like the experiences that you have had. And uh, so looking at it in a, a different, looking at gratitude in a different way and everyone that he spoke to, everyone that, you know, moved on and have, they've all progressed in their career journey. And I, I feel like they really did move into bigger and better opportunities and roles. So Aaron, let's talk about that. Just that advice you gave, because that's something that I think about some from some of the early bosses I had in my career. You know, I had, you know, young in my career trying to get going, don't know how to finesse myself into an organization. One of the greatest pieces I got was that, hey, you got to do you because, you know, no company or no person really owes you anything in your career. Yet, I still feel like there's leaders out there who take that exceptional step to still help. So, you know, while I feel like what I was able to do was navigate my career personally, there are people that have had these pieces of advice that have stuck with me from 24-year-old Andy to 34-year-old Andy, and I still kind of use that as a compass. So I hear that from Jess right now. And, and I would imagine you being someone that's been in this career coaching and leadership roles that has to be impactful for you to be able to leave that type of presence. Yeah, I, I think um, a lot of people, and I'll speak just for myself, right? Like when I came out of college in 2004, I think I had a certain perspective on work. And that perspective was very different than I think our previous generation or our parents' generation where, you know, you might have envisioned staying with one organization for a long time and companies would give their employees pensions and, you know, the, the gold watch for 30 years of service, right? And some of those, I think, um, concepts are a little bit outdated these days just because they don't happen as much anymore. And I, I think that how we look at work uh, is also badly in need of a reframe as well. I read this book earlier this summer called The Good Enough Job, and I highly recommend it to anyone who has the, the inclination to read or learn more. And it's basically a number of vignettes and stories about people who have had different work experiences and how they've changed their perspectives on work. And I was writing up a review of this book amongst the other things I read this summer and sharing that with people. And there were these really lovely snippets that I thought were just so powerful in one or two sentences. Uh, things like, well, if you bring your the best of you to work, by definition, you bring the leftovers home. And I'm like, God, that really sucks when you think about who deserves your energy, your presence, right? And another element was around, um, you know, how, how do we we look at work as part of our identity, you know, because in the past, you might have had things like your faith or, or uh, you know, other uh, organizations or social groups being more core to your identity than your job, which you might have just gone to and come back. But when you make work your core identity and then it gets kicked out from under you, like it does for a lot of people get reorganized or laid off, fired, what have you, what do you do? So, so I think that the, the reason why that these ideas have become very top of mind to me is that we, we, and I specifically came into the workforce thinking, oh, well, I'm going to get this. I'm going to be given this. I'm entitled to this, or, or I'm owed this. And I've, I've over the last, you know, a couple of decades started to kick a lot of these um, errant ideas to the curb because the point I made around companies owe you nothing is that you also owe companies nothing. Like in the sense of you can owe loyalty to a manager who takes a chance on you, who coaches you, who guides you and, and goes out of their way to be an amazing manager. But a company, despite what we've legally ruled, uh, is not a person. 
it's a collection of individuals and policies and procedures. Um, and I think that we should stop being loyal to companies because companies don't deserve it. And I think this is a great conversation too, because what I found through everybody's unique experiences, because I come from agency world, Andy. So that's where I always like to label myself, uh, Jess. We kind of, we have these different experiences of how we build our careers. So I'm agency, Andy, and just your tech, Jess, because you started, you know, early in your career in the tech world. So I think it brings unique perspectives, but I actually think they align more than we think. I think through my own end, you know, some of my career journeys, I went from, positions where I was at an agency, we lost our top client, everybody starts getting laid off as another agency where our department was being dissolved, it becomes like survivor in uh, marketing. And then another one where we went through a merger. And then when a merger happens, it's kind of like flipping a coin. And then you go to today, where there's obviously a lot of you know, just things in the, the macroeconomic landscape. We hear the word macroeconomic a lot. I've gotten really good at saying that. Uh, but it's basically you look at the journey of a career of someone I feel like in marketing or both in tech. And everybody has had these types of experiences one way or the other. And it feels like they've had it multiple times at this point. So, you know, the, what you're talking about kind of guiding your North Star and thinking about what works best for you. So I think that is the big idea I try to get at when I talk to others about career. But also, I think, how can we do this with gratitude? How do we have gratitude within the organization? And even though we all know that, hey, our team may not look the same year over year, how are we all still working together and, and trying to benefit each other's North Stars? Is there, there a way that you've thought about that that kind of makes it work organically within an organization. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's an old quote, which I still love, which is uh, comparison is the thief of joy. But I think comparison also enables a lot of gratitude uh, because um, if you're not asking yourself periodically or even frequently what you're grateful for, um, you don't know what you have relative to someone else um, or hell, even relative to yourself. You know, what do I have now relative to what I had five years ago, 10 years ago in terms of knowledge, perspective, relationships? Hell, you could be material, money, cool jackets and shoes, you know, mid-century modern Star Wars posters. I didn't have those 10 years ago. Those are pretty cool, right? So that's okay. Like you have a perspective and what are you grateful for? And, and I actually have been thinking about this, this question a lot recently just because six weeks ago, I went through a layoff myself through a reorganization. And the day after the, the announcement, you know, my laptop is shut off. Part of my identity gets kicked out from under me, but not all of it. And I'm talking to a friend of mine who lives in London who says, you seem awfully zen considering you just got laid off. And my reaction was, well, let's look at where I'm not right now. I'm not sitting in the middle of uh, earthquake ravaged Morocco. I'm not sitting in Gaza City or, or in Kiev right now. Like I'm sitting in the suburbs of Chicago with a roof over my head with a, a spouse who's still working and two kids who are healthy and lovely. And it's really hard to, to, compa to compare the experience of getting laid off and being secure as I am, which I'm grateful for, with the struggles that a lot of people are facing in this world. So I, I think it, it, it helps to have some, some perspective, right? Like, um, would I have reacted differently 10, 15 years ago? Probably. Um, might I have been more frustrated, emotional, or anxious? Uh, definitely. Um, 
you know, when I left my job at Deloitte in 2015, I was very anxious because I didn't have another job lined up. And, and you know, it, luckily, you know, within like eight weeks, I got a new job and I was already back to work by the end of the summer. But I, I think, again, the gratitude for me comes from perspective. A lot of people don't find perspective or other perspectives in the world outside of their own. And I think once you have a little bit of perspective, it, it really facilitates that kind of perspective on gratitude. So well said, Aaron, and I 100% agree with you. When I was laid off in 2008, I can't even remember it. Yeah, I I handled it much differently or I had a much different thought process than I probably would now. And I, I think you just make a great uh, parallel between like perspective and age. Here's a, an example of where age can really benefit you and, and and help enrich like the entire experience. And I'll add on to that. It's not, it, it is, yes, it, it is absolutely age. And also I think you can have a lot of perspective at a relatively young age, right? For someone, for example, who is immigrated to this country as a teenager or as a college student or as a young professional, right? And spend a number of years here, they may have a lot more perspective than someone who has been in the same town or the same place their whole life by default, because you've seen more, right? And I, I think it, it's worth calling that out. I love just to hear the different perspectives because Jess, you have a unique story. Aaron, you're going through this experience right now. I went through that experience at the tail end of 2017 and the, going into 2018. My layoff was two weeks before Christmas. So it's like one of those things. It's like you hit the holiday season and everybody's talking about their jobs and whatnot. And it's like, you know, I had to compartmentalize in my younger ages, like, hey, I don't need to feel defeated by this. You know, this happens to people, especially in the agency world. If if you worked in agencies long enough, I don't I would say there's at least an 80 percent chance you've gone through one. I, I don't know if anyone's made it long enough in agencies not to have gone through one layoff cycle. And, you know, it's nothing to, to be ashamed about and you think about the experiences you've worked with, the people you've worked with, the network you built, you know, I feel like I look at you, Aaron, and I look at some of these incredible experiences you have. You just talked about Deloitte, LinkedIn, um, experience at Pinterest, and then also a career coach at Coaching AF. So you've done so many things. And I feel like for your next role, the gratefulness that you've probably had from these roles will probably shine bright and it'll show just a different, you know, variation of experiences. So I kind of want to talk about that too. Is there anything that's like you look back at and you go into this journey right now that you're super grateful for, and it gives you that leg up, you know, when you start getting back into the field again? Yeah. In fact, it's, um, I've been thinking about writing this and I've been writing this LinkedIn post for the last couple of weeks around sort of what is, what is one's identity built upon, right? You know, when you're, when you're a pro athlete or, or you're in the military, you're transitioning and you make that next step, either back to civilian life or to retire, a, a big core of your identity is gone. Right. And, and for me, when I think about this transition, you know, the fact that my job was not the core or sole part of my identity has been very helpful for my mindset and for my activities. I think what I'm also really grateful for is that when it happened, you know, I, I acknowledged what I could control and what I couldn't. And, and this concept of locus of control is so critical to how I keep my mindset relatively positive and focused on the things. Again, like I, I can't control 
um, interest rates or, or geopolitical uh, actions or wars or, or things that are you know not in my daily you know path. What I did control was how I began to broadcast it and share it with people because some people shut down, don't tell anybody, and they have this mindset of shame. You know, I, I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed to be laid off because so much of my identity is built on that. Or how am I going to pay for my mortgage on my on my you know brownstone in Brooklyn? Or how am I going to do X, Y, or Z? Right. I took a different approach, which was I was very vulnerable and very public with it, and I started posting content, videos, posts. You know guidance to fellow people who've been laid off because I've been doing that a lot. And, and I think what I've appreciated most is that because I've reached out to people in the past who've been affected by layoffs, like Jess and other folks who were affected at LinkedIn, uh, there was a 700 person layoff at LinkedIn recently where I reached out to other folks and say, hey, how are you doing? Because I'd done that, I had a ton of people reach out to me almost immediately saying, how can I help you? Who can I connect you to? What should I be on the lookout for? Now, for those first two weeks, I had no fucking clue, right? I mean, I, I told everyone, Love the offer, really appreciate it. I have no idea. I need to go process. And and fortunately or unfortunately, I had a bunch of trips planned for the week after I got laid off, or actually the three weeks after I got laid off. So I went in short order to Cartagena in Columbia, to Nashville, Tennessee, and to New York City. And at each place, I basically kind of took time to either rest, process, socialize, eat, drink, walk, whatever. And as I began to think, oh, now I know what I want. I want A, B, or C. It became easier for me to tap into those offers that people had been extending to me. Um, and someone put it very nicely in a message just two days ago, which was, you always help other people. I really hope you'll accept these offers of help and not be too proud to do so. And I'm like, <laughs> I am not too proud to ask for help. Like, I, you know, I'm actively looking in addition to growing my coaching business and building another uh, small company that I've been um, basically sitting on for the last two or three years. So, you know, I, I think that networking sometimes becomes one of those dirty words when certainly described in the context of like business school or in the business community. And I, I like that because it doesn't have to just be about your own gain, but if you plant enough seeds to help other people when you don't need help and you don't ask of other people when the shoe is on the other foot, it's, it's pretty straightforward because people reach out to you saying, how can I help you? I love that. And I love the idea of taking a step back. Aaron, this is a much more constructive advice than what I did my first few weeks of being laid off. What I did is, you know, forget, I always tell the story, you know, forgetting Sarah Marshall where the main character oh, yeah. eats a cereal bowl. It's like this big. Um, oh, yeah. I just kept eating Honey Nut Cheerios and like Count Chocula like that while applying for jobs and mismatching shorts and then binging Netflix shows. Because um, I, I, what I did is I had a set amount of hours when I was unemployed. I was like, I'm applying for jobs for six hours straight. And then I would go like get a little loony, you know, from doing that and then fire up the Netflix machine and, you know, watch the making of a murderer or something like that. And I just did that for a while snapped out of it a little bit but it probably wasn't the healthiest thing i think eventually by the end of my four month stretch i got to a better point but i do always like to highlight me as someone who was working as a social media manager at the time those four months i did a little freelance work i kind of refound the love again because i felt like i i didn't love what i did did anymore like i started to lose it a little bit i started to lose my creativity at the end and I freelanced for a real estate agent. Um, I freelanced for a music artist. 
um, around that time. And it wasn't a lot of money. It was just kind of to keep me fresh. I also started following certain pages and just watching their techniques every day and be like, that was cool. I could redo that in my own way. This is interesting. Probably not exactly how I would think about it, but it might work in a different context. I just started doing that. And when I came back into the workforce, nobody's perfect. But if I was like a B student before, I felt like I was an A plus student afterwards. And there's something about that four months that really propelled me once I got back in the game. Yeah, I think it's because it, it you're jarred out of your routines, right? The status quo is, is disrupted or disturbed. And that honestly, it, it can either reinforce why you got into it in the first place and why you loved it or why you didn't. But you just you never had that momentum to jar you out of what's easier. Like, I think we all default to what's easier. It's easier to, um, you know, sit and watch Netflix than to go for a 10 mile run. Um and by the way, I no judgment on that. I love eating big bowls of cereal and I love forgetting Sarah Marshall. But I think it's like, you know, what's easy is, is the default for most people. We, we, we go to what's easier, right? It's the path of least resistance. It takes a lot of intentionality and sometimes not, things not by our own choice to get us to try that different road. So let's talk about that meaning too. As we kind of get too closer to the end here, what is a meaningful thing a person might have said or done for you? We've already touched on this a little bit in the interview, but in the last year, you know, right now, current state of where we're at as a tech industry, macroeconomics, all of those good things. I and mean, I tell Jess, you know, I, I listen to a lot of different, you know, influencers, you know, people on Instagram, YouTube. I listen to Gary V yelling at me and telling me, you know, to do my own thing. Uh, is there any advice that you've seen or anyone out there in the last year that you think has been very impactful for where we just see the current landscape? Well, I think that's, you know, there's a, a couple of different questions there, right? The, the first around, like something meaningful that someone has said or done and of more of a recent life lesson. So let me kind of answer those separately. When I think about something that is, has stayed with me throughout my, my life and my career, I, it's funny, I, I, my, my full former manager uh, at Deloitte uh, was very intense, very direct and bold. And at one point I was um, underperforming to the point where our client was getting pissed off at me. And she basically, um, you know, sh shocked me with this really tough feedback. You know, it's like, I might have to roll you off this project because you, you kind of suck. And I'm putting words in her mouth because she didn't actually say that. Although I do remember the emotion behind it being very intense. And what I loved about that in retrospect, not at the time, is that to give feedback, especially the hard stuff, is to actually care. If you don't care, you don't get that feedback. You're like, well, you know, piss off, right? I don't, I don't care. You're just going to fail and move on. I'll get someone else. To give someone tough feedback and to challenge your own discomfort with giving tough feedback is a really difficult thing. I took that feedback. I turned things around. It was a really good project, you know, that that manager and I have since gotten along very well, you know, um, and we actually just traded messages just the other day. And, you know, I think to to give people feedback is not the ultimate compliment, but it's a pretty important thing to differentiate you versus every other person that just walks by as a bystander. Um, you know, I think about recently, you know, if there's been anything like around advice or things done, like, honestly, I, I do look at this recent layoff as being very instructive and informative. Um and it's not just me, you know, being naively positive and being like, la, 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 everything's fine. It's like, you know, 
it, it, it is for the moment, but it might not be forever. But I think what it validated is that one, my entire identity was not built on work. Two, where have I been letting people or things down? Like, have I been as present a father as I wanted to be? No. You know, have I been as present a husband as I wanted to be? No. Like, there would be nights when we'd be sitting around in the living room or the dining table and I'd be playing around my phone because all I wanted to do was escape. And that's so easy because you can play on LinkedIn, you can play on Instagram, you can watch funny memes, and that's your escape. And that was mine. And in the six weeks since I got laid off, you know, more often than not, I don't have my phone at the dinner table, right? Uh, I have more um, time and space to to actually do what I need. Like all of the backlog writing on my travel blog, uh, you know, that I've been letting sit for like months, I'm finally getting through it. Uh, I'm reading at a, at a faster clip and as a much more satisfying level than I have previously. So it's like, I, I'm, I'm, it's another kind of loop back to that, that gratitude point that we started this conversation with, which is, you know, things happen, shit happens. It's okay. It's, it's how you respond to the, the situation that actually determines, you know, where you go from here. If you let it consume you and sit there and, you know, I could just go play, you know, video games on my PS4 all day long. It would be fun. You know, if I if I didn't work out, if I didn't go for a walk, if I didn't have conversations like this, I'd probably be super grouchy and, you know, you know, deprived of vitamin D and you wouldn't want to talk to that guy. Well, maybe Jess would. I love it, Aaron. You have me sold right now. I'm like, I need Aaron as my career coach. You know, you know, the funny thing is Jess is kind of like your your career coaches to me, right? Just do you, do you feel like that's applicable to say about our working relationship? A little bit. And I would say you're a hundred percent been a coach to me when it comes to the recording a podcast and the, the broadcast side of things. Definitely. It's uh trial and error always, you know, we always have fun with it as today, you know, we have some tech stuff, but we work through it. And that's, I think what Aaron's getting at you know, so much of your identity, you know, being wrapped up in work and what is there outside of it? I, I just, Aaron, I relate so much to what you're saying, just different, you know, lenses. You know, I got past the forgetting Sarah Marshall and Netflix stage. Um, You know, I felt like I kind of started to rebuild my career during this time. I kind of was really the, I think, pillar to set it off. Also think it through a personal lens, you know, I'm engaged now, getting married in July, like we're in the home stretch. Uh, but that period where I was laid off, um, I was single and I could think about everything at that point. Like I literally went and revisited conversations I had with ex-girlfriends and I was like, no, that was probably effed up. Uh, that one was probably, you know, I needed to do that. You know, I could have been better at communicating this. Like I visited everything during that time period, which could be good or bad, depending on how I think you handle it. But it also, it, it actually was a good lesson that, you know, there is, there, there's got to be more than just this. And I think it was the lesson too, that, hey, you can't let a workplace, you know, be your entire existence. It could be a large part of it. And I think that it can kind of circle through your personal life. You know, I like to talk about workplace stuff on my LinkedIn, which relates to my personal life and kind of combining what those look like, but it can't be the sole thing. I think that's something I need those four months to come to the conclusion. So 
I personally am really excited to see what you're going to be posting about. I want, I definitely want to read the travel blog. You know, I love me some travel. I, I want to see some of these posts that you're talking about. This is uh, all exciting because now following your journey and just hearing you talk today, I know that it's going to be impactful for those who follow you and then for Jess and I to, to watch the journey play out. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun and uh, happy holidays. You know, December, the end of the year is upon us already, which is kind of wild to say, but I, I appreciate both of you having me here. Definitely. Thank you so much for joining, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. So, Jess, I'm sort of jealous of you that she got to work with Aaron and, <laughs> and, you know, capture this wisdom because, you know, a lot of it, what he was talking about were were things that maybe I've thought about in the past. You know, it's like it crosses your brain and whatnot, but you don't really speak it as much into existence. So I love just hearing his personal side and his, you know, vulnerabilities too of going through a layoff right now, what he's trying to accomplish and also using it as an opportunity to retouch on some of his other hobbies, which I think is important because that's something I'd like to get into too. You know, we can talk through a little bit, you know, our friend Steve Turney has been big on this with, with us about, you know, exploring your creativity but using that time to do so, I think in return, it helps once you get back to work. Absolutely. I, I, I knew Aaron was going to just drop so many wise, sage pieces of advice. I mean, it's unbelievable. We could have spoken with him for another two plus hours at oh, yeah. least. But I, I, I am leaving this conversation with even more gratitude than I had prior uh, to the discussion. And what I really think stood out was Aaron talking about having the gratitude to be jarred out of your routine. Like that is now that is going to like sit close to my heart. So let's talk about that. I mean, yes. that in a nutshell, we both consult marketers. We both have to have a lot of marketing acumen in what we do. Just, I don't think there's been a time in like probably the last three to four years where there's been anybody wearing a marketing hat that hasn't been jarred out of their routine one way or another. It's a new manager, new department, restructures, mergers, whatever it is and who we consult. We hear that all the time. And this is a common theme since we started the making of a marketer a year ago that we talk about this, but how you show gratitude during that and almost, you know, finding that within yourself, I think is a new angle that we haven't quite talked about. So I found that very fascinating. Yes. And again, being jarred out of your routine is such in the way that you handle it is such a great way to like focus that creative energy and gain those new perspectives and the new perspectives that we need to be more grateful, more innovative, uh, more creative. You know, it's just got me to thinking too, is, you know, talking about um, our reality show concept, Marketing Island, and, you know, that I need to write this blog. I'm real inspired again. But, you know, as our reality show contestants, they have these challenges where they have to adapt and do different things and get jarred. Think in on Marketing Island. So when they're on the island and they're having to 
market the island to people that they don't know what it is and build a brand. What I think one of the challenges can be is we go through a reorg on the island. So they're in two different tribes, you know, like Survivor, you're assigned to a tribe. But what we do is now we merge the tribes and they all have to coexist together on the same island. So the team of six, they now want to be a larger team of 14. So it's like a tribe of six, tribe of eight. They come together as 14. They all get a new manager at once. And as soon as their KPIs start dipping, they get voted out of the island. And it's like, how do you keep marketing with all of this pressure? So I think I, I'm already just thinking of like, you know, the people on the island that show the gratitude and that can adapt to this rapid change will likely be the ones to take the million dollars at the end of the contest. That example gets a little too close to home because I think it sounds like every other corporate place where someone votes you off an island and it's usually not collective vote. It's usually one person who's power hungry. Um, but what you're making me think about is like, I, I never worked in agencies myself, but my wife used to work in an agency and now works in ad tech. Many of her friends and my friends have worked in agencies before. And it's like, whenever I would hear their stories about things they couldn't control that were very difficult, I'm like, you have two ways to respond to this. Either you take it all personally and you hate that client who's being really difficult or you hate your manager because you're all working 80 hour weeks, or you can learn from this and say, I don't want this and do something about it because it truly is insanity to keep taking that kind of abuse day in, day out. And some people love it because they maybe they become a creative director or they become the VP of account management and they have enough mitigating factors to do it. But it's like in coaching people who even say like, I want work-life balance. Like, then why are you working 80 hours a week? Yep. Because I love my work. I'm like, no, no, that's irrelevant, actually. Your love for the work, I get. However, you just told me you want work-life balance. So either you're lying about wanting work-life balance or there's something else you're not acknowledging. And Andy, to your point earlier, when you externalize things, it's like exposing something to oxygen. If it's meant to breathe in oxygen, it will perpetuate, it will grow. If it's like an alien life form and it's not meant to, it will shrivel and die, but now it will be excised from your mind or from your brain. So it's like, get it out of there. Get it out of your head and see like, I actually don't want to work in, in advertising. No. What do you want to do? I want to teach five-year-olds and six-year-olds. like, oof. That's underpaid and underrespected, even though it shouldn't be. But okay, good for you. We're going to get you a job working at a public school. Yeah. And three years from now, they're going to you know change again. But still, right? Try it. Perspective. Just thought of another plot twist for Marketing Island from this, Aaron. So how about this? This could be like a real case life scenario. So they're on Marketing Island. They're working extremely difficult clients, but they want the million dollars for winning at the end. So it's like deal or no deal. You could take the risk to be the ultimate marketer and win the nation over by your marketing tactics and, and get those votes. Or how about during the show, there's firms out there or companies out there that like what you're doing as a marketer and they make an offer to you while you're on the show to try to get you off the island, but therefore forfeiting your ability to win the million dollars. And you make the decision, do you choose passion or do you choose the bag? And then they keep going. And like, maybe it's like they go to a spot and then they like, they open like, or they hit a bu button or they open a box and it like chooses what they take. And then, like, if they take passion, like, the show ends on the credits, they're on the boat, like, on a speedboat, like, sailing off, and then you see their, like, final confessional, and they're off the show. 
See, I, I think we're like, we're crafting this now, Jess. See, this is how you answer your question. How do you get unstuck creatively? You just had your guests start to float really ridiculous concepts or, or discussion points and suddenly, pow, 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 you know? It's also making me think about this identity piece and being grateful that you have multiple multiple facets of your identity. So like being grateful that work isn't the only thing that you are focused on. So that's another way to look at it as well. Yes, yep. definitely. And I think that they're just, I think it's just a great practice to think it all through, you know, like always be checking yourself. I don't think anybody is a complete like hundred percent refined, you know, there's always new learnings and, you know, like 2023 is a new learning from 2020, you know, 2024 will probably be something nuanced from there. Oh, yeah. So it's, you know, controlling that noise and, and kind of, you know, putting it in a way that aids the gratefulness, the gratitudes, but like, what is that mentally healthy space for you to move forward, both in work life and life life in a cohesive manner? I'll end on this because I know where time's up, but I keep a whiteboard to my right. I have little little magnetic tags that have described each of the last four years. So for 2020, I put shit show. For 2021, I put tranquility. You know, people are like starting to come back towards normal. 2022, uh, what did I say there? Uh, restoration, right? New job, life's getting back to normal. And for 2023, I, I didn't do one word. I did two. I said travel joy, which I basically have honored. I traveled a ton and been very joyful. So it's like, when I see that every day, I'm reminded, well, at least we're not locked down. At least, you know, if you've gotten boosted and vaccinated, you're probably safe, right? You're still here, aren't you? Even if your back hurts or your head hurts or you're, you're underpaid, you're still here. Like, that's a lot. That's a really good thing. There are a lot of folks who aren't. And I think sometimes just that reminder is enough for me to be grateful, you know, on a daily basis. And I always say, like, in a sports reference, it always gives you a chance. If you're on the field, you're strapping up the uniform, you always have a chance to go always. out there. Yeah. And, and that's what I like because, you know, again, just putting it in perspective, having that opportunity, you know, the LinkedIn's of the world's the way that we're able to network now second to none it's never been like this in, in this type of format where it's this easy before so i love these opportunities and chances we have to to make the best of it but as you said aaron we are up on time now so another great conversation jess you know my mind in the real world is racing and the reality um world is racing as well i continue to want to follow you aaron on social aaron fung uh, be sure to check out his posts he is a fabulous voice on linkedin when it comes to career coaching so thank you both and we will be back again next week bye hi bye everyone this podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.